are now listening to the King's Court on Dash Radio, presented by SackKingsNation.com. Here are your hosts, Vince Miracle and Joe Morgan. Man, that's a lie. Today it is just Joe. Vince is taking the day off. He's actually off doing some other nonsense because we're getting ready to go down to Summer League. It is that time of year again. Oh my God, I'm excited. It's my favorite time of year, actually. But I have a couple guests with me today. One is Trey Slate. Trey, you went to Oklahoma. You work with Buddy Heald. You've worked with Trey Young, Blake Griffin, Avery Bradley. I'm not going to read this whole thing because <laughs> you you can tell us about it yourself. I mean, you know, it's your gig. And then Kenji. Kenji is the founder, owner, CEO. What do you call yourself down there at YBA? I'm just the director of YBA. Okay. Uh, CEO, director. The, yeah, the, 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 the guy who teaches all the kids how to play this sport properly. So we're going to get some questions out of him too. But Trey Slate, who's the guy you work with locally? How did you guys meet? I mean, I, I know the answer to this. Obviously, you mm-hmm. went to Oklahoma, so it kind of kind of answers itself. But give me give me a brief background on how that started. How did you get to work with him? Yeah, so Buddy Heal, that's been my guy for uh, for a while now. We came in Oklahoma uh, as freshmen the same year. I believe that was 2012, 2013. Uh, and the first year on the team, I was actually manager, where I just worked really, really hard and then just kind of earned his respect. He kind of realized I was a little bit crazy and that I was always beating him to the gym. He didn't really like that, so he started joining me for workouts. And then ever since then, man, it's just been a relationship that has just grown over time. We trust each other, and he trusts me with his game, and it just is what it is now, man. My my question to you is you, you mentioned that you were in the gym before everybody else. Mm-hmm. I kind of know the story, but the idea is you had to outwork everybody. Go ahead and break that down for me. I mean, how did that journey shape who you are? How did it make mm-hmm. you the trainer you are? Yeah, so – I'm undersized white guy, six <laughs> six foot. I I wasn't supposed to play Division One basketball. I mean, I don't have an athletic bone in my body, but I uh, just had to really work harder than everybody else. Had to find a way to close that gap between athleticism, uh, the people who were blessed more genetically than me, but I was blessed with uh, with the ability to work harder, to sacrifice more, and so I just decided, you know what? If, like I have this dream, and in order to make it happen, I got to outwork everybody times two. So. Every day I wake up at 4.30, get to the gym, get in before everybody else, prove a point, and then just work harder after they left. So it's a crazy journey, man. All, all it went to is that I was willing to outwork people. So you were a shooting guard at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. What pushed you to play there? Uh, well, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma, Gore, Oklahoma. And uh, ever since I was born, man, just been a Sooner. Like my, my dad, crazy Sooner guy. Uh, at our house, he has a OU room filled with <laughs> All types of OU memorabilia, uh, basketball, football, baseball. Uh, so it's this, but, but yeah, it, red. It, yeah, it's really this, but crimson and cream, <laughs> yeah, exactly. man. Uh, and yeah, just ever since I was born, it was, it was OU, OU, OU. And so I got that crazy idea in eighth grade year. I was like, you know what? I want to play basketball at the University of Oklahoma. And then from there, just kind of never looked back, never sold out on it. Got difficult at times, but man, like when you got a dream and you feel like it's connected to you somehow, you just got to. Go in on it. And that's what I did. Did you end up gray shirting, or I'm I'm sorry. Did you redshirt? Did were you a preferred walk on? Did you were you offered? Did you just bug the heck out of them? You applied at the school and just bug the heck out of them. But that's basically what happened. Uh, coming out of high school, I didn't have any scholarship offers, mm-hmm. uh, so I just got on as manager. I just called the GA over and over and over until mm-hmm. I got on as manager, and I just kept working hard. So it wasn't like there was a promising me to be on the team or like hey you could get a chance to walk on like that was never promised at all it was just you just were in the gym kept working just were in the gym i call it unconditional persistence 
any point throughout the the years you were there earn a scholarship uh, with the school? Or no. Yeah, so uh, I was a walk-on those first two years. And then one of the uh, graduate assistants actually left to a smaller school, Mid-America Christian University, where I went with him and was on scholarship. Mm, okay. Yeah, so ended up working. I got to play at OU, accomplished that dream, and then just kind of felt led to go to Mid-America. So the thing I know is that, you know, uh, if you really, really want to work, really love basketball, you know, you, you can make anything happen if you just apply yourself for sure. I, I try to tell my son that you mentioned something athletically gifted wise. I am a six foot man. You are not going to be Yao Ming. I'm sorry. You're not seven foot kid. Like I look at, he's seven, bro. It would already have, you'd already know. Like it's sorry. So you have to outwork everybody because when you're going to play at any level above a JC, the, the field has been narrowed so much that uh, if you're seven foot, you're fighting against, what, 100,000 people who are seven foot tall? Yeah, not many. If you're six foot tall, you're fighting against the rest of us. <laughs> so you better get in the gym early. You better work harder. You better – and he's a kid, so I'm not trying to push him yet. But it's the idea that if you want it, understand you're not getting it for free when you're six foot tall. You're going to have to put in that extra hour. You're going to have to put in that extra five hours. Mm-hmm. So uh, getting on to what actually matters, why why we have you in here – is you're a professional trainer. You take these guys and you make them better. But let's start at step one. How do you intake a new player? What do you ask him? What, what I mean, do you just watch film about him for a hundred years? Like, what is mm-hmm. your what is your plan when you get a new guy? Yeah. So I mean, it just kind of depends what level. High school, it's hard to really get my hands on a lot of film, uh, just because I, I normally use like Synergy, which is a a, a film kind of website, and that's normally kind of reserved for college and NBA. So. If, if I'm getting a new college NBA guy, like I'm always going to watch a lot of film on them beforehand just so I can get a feel what type of player they are, uh, where they're using their system, what type of shots they get, or what type of uh, situations they could play better in. But with high school guys, I don't really have the luxury to do that. So honestly, I just kind of I put them out there, and then uh, I'll, I'll do a few drills with them that I call a kind of uh, like guideline drills where I'm just trying to get a feel for them. And then once that happens... I can kind of see, get a really good feel of what they're good at, what they're not good at, and I just kind of dissect from there. When you get a kid in from high school or even from college, how far out is your plan? Like, so with Buddy, obviously, you're working with him. He's already at the level he wants to be at. Now it's just about fine-tuning those things and making Mm -hmm. it better. When you get a high school kid, how far out do you plan where you're trying to get him? Uh, Well, some of that depends on their goals. And then, I mean... If, if they have the goal of playing like division one or playing college ball or, and that sort of deal, I'm going to hold them accountable to that and uh, make sure to try to turn them into one of those players or help them become one of them players. So, I mean, it just really depends on their goals and, and what they're striving for. And then my job is just try to be uh, a GPS. I mean, I, I'm not the one that's actually getting them to the spot, but I can help guide them and I can help hold them accountable. I like that. I like that sentence. GPS that works yeah. well. <laughs> so, Speaking of using that kind of stuff um, to kind of aim people, in today's NBA, we use analytics, we have biomechanics, they have all these crazy new math, science stuff that kind of points you. So so mixing together the old, what we would just call the I versus now using all the math and science, how do you mix that together to better help a guy like Buddy who, I mean, he's already one of the best three-point shooters in mm-hmm. the game. How do you fine-tune that last little tweak? Yeah, uh, honestly, I don't really get into analytics too much. I mean, I understand that three-point shot and layups are the most valuable. Uh, but I'm not 
I'm not completely against a mid-range like uh, the analytics kind of say you should be. I feel like if I get too much in an analytical mind where I'm just looking at those numbers like that, then I'm not really treating the athlete as an athlete. I'm like, I'm treating them almost as like a robot, for like saying. Like, like a race car. Yeah, like a race car. Like, I'm not taking into consideration all the psychological components that go into it. And, uh, like, for instance, if I get if I catch a ball in a wing and I blow by, by my defender and I get a good mid-range shot that I'm comfortable with, but I miss it, even though I missed it in the back of the guy's head who just played me and I got that shot that I'm comfortable with, he's not going to want to give that shot up again. So, like, even though I missed it, it still opens up the game in other ways. So I, I really just try to keep a psychological mind to it. And that kind of goes to my sports psychology background from college. Always try to keep uh, an athlete's mind, I say, as, as I train. I'm trying to think like an athlete. Actually, you just kind of hit one of the other questions I have, and that is when you have a drill like that, when you, even, even if it's live game action, when you take a shot that was a good shot mm-hmm. and you miss it, how do you keep a young athlete especially, even a pro for that matter, mm-hmm. how do you keep their mind knowing that, that was still the right thing to do. Even though you missed it, even though it went wide, whatever the case may be, you still did the right thing. How do you keep them in that even if they're missing, even if they're not, you know, if it's not going right? Yeah, that that, that can be really difficult. That's one of the probably more difficult things to learn is just to detach yourself from the outcome. I mean, you can take a great shot and miss it, and you can take 10 great shots and, and, and miss them all, go over 10 game. But, like, did that mean you took bad shots? No, you just missed a shot. So, like, just learning to de- detach yourself from the outcome where you can, you're just playing, just trying to play free and, and, and really not think too much about the, the makes and misses. I mean, that, that, that's a whole psychological component of just being mentally tough and trusting your work and taking shots you're comfortable with. Ken, you got anything to add on that? You deal with kids constantly. How do you keep them in that mindset when they've run the right drill the right way and miss it? Well, we try to teach uh, next play, which is basically, uh, you know, hey, you just got to move on to the next play. Don't worry about the last play. Make it up here. We also come up with a term that we've uh, we try to do in training, which is uh, flush it. So, uh, <laughs> you know, some things there not good, and, and then you flush it, and you got something all new. So we use the term flush it. That way, the kids are. It kind of relates the kids. They understand what you know what flush it means, mm-hmm. and then they start over and start new. We've talked about how to keep them in their head, out of their head when they do it right. What does a typical workout regimen look like? And I understand that it changes between player to player and, and, and the idea of what they're trying to get to, but do you break it up cardio, weight room, and on the floor, or you just try to get them on the floor as much as they can and just put up shots? Um, I don't really do the, uh, the weight room component. That's one that it's probably in the future that I'm, I'm still working to, to, to kind of gather knowledge on and get really comfortable with. But as far as on court, um, like with Buddy, like I like at this point, we get on floor once a day, and then later in uh, late July, August, we'll start going on the floor twice a day. And it's not so much getting up shots as it is just trying to keep making progress to to where he wants to be. I know that's really vague. Just keep trying to refine things like you kind of said it i mean that's really what it's about because he's a smart player and yes he still needs to gather knowledge on on things but in the day it's about fine-tuning specific parts of his game that he's good at but that he could be better at or uh, that he's not so good at that we we need to improve on so trey did you end up uh working with him on his shooting form or mindset or i mean what has transformed 
the uh, the the trajectory of his three point shooting over the last few years. I mean, honestly, that's that's him. He's uh, he stays in the gym constantly. Even like even when I'm not around, he's still getting up shots. Uh, and for me, I feel like it's hard to teach somebody shooting form and and, and shooting thing and shots like that when like you're one of the best shooters in the world. <laughs> like <laughs> first three years, he's made six hundred threes. It's hard for me to be like, hey man, like do you need to do this on your shot? I mean, obviously there is times where I give him like advice, like, hey, like m- most of it's off the dribble. Like, hey, you could have done this off off the dribble to help give you a little more power in your shot, that sort of thing. But as far as like trajectory of the shot and, and, the, and the actual mechanics, I, I, I really stay away from it. I, I kind of teach see, breathe, let it fly, where you see what's around you, you breathe, and you let it fly. Because I feel like the less thinking you do, the better off you're going to be, the more you're going to get in flow, get in rhythm, all those sort of things. He's been a lot better in the step back through the pick and roll. That has changed pretty dramatically where it's, it's you know, you look at the first year at, at OU and then you bring it forward to now and that has changed pretty dramatically. You talked about the off the dribble shooting. Mm. Again, substantial change over the years. The handle is what I was kind of shocked at how, how, how far that has come. Mm-hmm. So are you guys working on that every day? Every, every day. Every day. And we do a lot of live stuff where... Uh, I'm really aggressive sometimes trying to foul him, just trying to make him work his handle. And then we do drills specifically to to challenge his handle and make sure he's getting a lot of reps, keeping it tight, uh, doing those things. But it, he's, still, he's still got a ways to go on that. His ball handling actually, like, performing dribble moves is okay. He just got to keep building on his instincts where if somebody reaches, then boom, I'm doing this move. And it just becomes instinctive. So that's that's really, I feel like, the next step for his Basketball, handle. Basketball, jujitsu. Yeah, really, though. Knowing the next move yeah, before it even happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those kind of things are, I mean, you talked about, you know, getting getting smarter in the game in basketball IQ. That never stops. I don't care mm-hmm. if no. you are, you know, I don't, I don't care who you are. It, it, it always adds one more, one more, one more, especially if you're playing but coaching, too, no matter what you're doing. That type of thing where you have that next jiu-jitsu move up your, up your sleeve and you know it's coming before it happens. That's how you end up with these ESPN highlights where somebody's yeah. ankles get broke. I don't care. You're a pro and you're on your you know, backside, those things are fun to watch, but moving on. Cause we could get, <laughs> I could go down a rabbit hole of things that I've seen him improve on because again, he's one of the most improved over the last couple years. He's taken leaps and bounds, obviously mm-hmm. 200. And, what did I say earlier? 278 threes last year. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's like not a real number. You can't do that. So uh, we're obviously pretty happy to have him here in Sacramento. Now, how do you see, the Deadman signing changing his ability to get more threes up even this year. I mean, I think he's an excellent screener and uh, he's a big body. I mean, seven. What, what does he weigh? Seven. <laughs> All of it. I yeah, don't know. <laughs> he's 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 got a solid frame, man. And then especially the way Luke, the style that he plays. Luke wants more threes. Yeah, w- he wants said more it in every threes. press conference. Yeah, and then I mean, away from the ball, on the ball screens, and then. Those pass and relo- relocate, and I know they're gonna. Deadman will be kind of doing what Looney and those do. How they kind of once he passes it, they're kind of giving that little brush screen. Uh, so I mean, I, I think it'll open up a lot of things. Last year, Willie did a lot of handoff screens for him, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm really interested to see how Deadman fits into that. And again, with wanting to shoot more threes, with with Luke saying he wants to shoot more threes. Buddy might I, – I, I'm excited to see what his usage rate is this year. That's that's the short way for me to say this. I'm really excited to see what – you know, he already has the percentages to hit him. Mm-hmm. How many times are they going to hand it to him and see if he can do it? And how long – how high can that number go? Yeah. That's really the yeah. question I'm I'm interested in. Yeah. 
Me too. Ken, uh, we're kind of talking about, you know, hitting these threes. What do you see on this team that will lead to more of that fast play, more of that deep shooting? Well, I would think uh, a lot of it would have to do with, uh, uh, with De'Aaron Fox just pushing the ball up the court. I, I know, uh, early offense, getting them out there, getting the, uh, early threes in the corners definitely, uh, uh would be, uh, I feel like, uh, last year they really tried to speed the tempo up. Try to get shots up quickly, and then if you couldn't get shots up quickly, then then start your execution. But uh, they ran a lot of early offense. I felt that was the difference um, from years past to to last year. So speed, <laughs> it all comes back to speed with this team. They are just going to be flying up and down the court. Deadman does that, and then you mentioned you were excited about the Rashawn Holmes signing. Yeah, so very excited. Go ahead and break down what that means for us here. Yeah, I mean, I just think he's a really active player. He runs the floor hard. Which is and, he, and he's a good roller, which opens up the floor, especially for shooters. If you got a, a ball handler coming off who can attack and make plays, if you got a hard guy who's rim running, rim, well, rim hard run. to say, <laughs> rim running, <laughs> rim running, uh, going for lobs, it just collapses the defense and then opens up things around it. And then especially in transition, with guys like Rashawn Holmes and you got Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley who can run the floor fast, just pinches the defense ends, opens up things on the wings and the corners for wing corner threes swing swing threes so i mean i'm really excited about the speed and athleticism that that he brings and how that will uh really affect the king's game around it and all those guys so getting back to specifically buddy what improved the most last year that you saw that he was excited about yeah uh i think one is kind of he was a lot better playing off ball screens for sure and then uh the mid-range jumper is one we worked on a lot and that his percentage went up on that I know the analytical guys will be like, why, why are you doing it? It opens up the game, man. When you come off and hit a mid-range shot, it plays into the defense's mind. They don't want to give up easy mid-range, even if you make or miss it. And then now the next time you come up attacking, you're going to get something different, probably something you're more comfortable with. Uh, so the mid-range shot was was one. Uh, and then just better better ball handling, pick and roll. And obviously you like to see him get up more threes, which was, which was big. I still think he could get up even more last year. I thought he could have. I could have got up probably two or three more a game, but hopefully see that this year. So one of the mantras in my world is shoot, move, and communicate. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite training mantra that you yell at these guys every single day? See, breathe, let it fly. I kind of already said it, it yeah. yeah, but see, breathe, let it fly. I mean, I just like no conscience, man. Like obviously there's times where I got to work with kids on mechanics and, and break it down. But if, if you have that, like, man, do not think. That's like one of the worst things you can do in the shooter just start thinking too much as the game's going on, because you're already trying to process so much information, so many different variables that play. The game's happening so fast. You're trying to think about what's happening in your shot, and you're probably really not focusing exactly on the shot or locked in onto the front of the rim. So just see, breathe, let it fly, have fun, man. So moving from that, I mean, you ran Buddy Heald's Kids Camp, mm-hmm. and you were actually there also, Ken. Yeah. So the idea that I have, the the question that I have, let me restate that, is what positive trends are you seeing in youth basketball that is now moving forward? That, uh, you know, what positive stuff are you seeing that these kids are doing? And for that matter, what negative stuff? Like, what's the what's the biggest thing that they're doing right and wrong? Uh, I think one of the biggest things is that they're seeking knowledge more, uh, whether that's on Instagram or YouTube. Like, they're looking at training videos, uh, doing, doing that sort of thing, trying to improve their game. Uh, the worst thing is that they probably try to do the Kyrie Irving combo move before they can do uh, the triple threat effectively and like a jab jumper 
so they're, they're trying they try to progress too quick where yeah. they, they want to do this fancy dribble move but you can't even do uh, a pull up going to the right like one two like left right so I mean, like just take it simple because like honestly a lot of my training sessions especially with buddy are actually really really simple but they're just really detailed because it's not necessarily about the drill you teach it's about how you teach it just take it slow and progress slow that's that would be my biggest piece of advice right on slow and smooth Hey, uh, so what other uh, guys did you end up training with or working with uh, at uh, Oklahoma? Uh, Isaiah Cousins, who is last year, who was on the the Jazz G League, and then I mean, there's a few Ryan Spangler, who played overseas one year in Japan. Uh, but I mean, really, those two. I mean, a lot of guys came in like with me at times, but really, those kind of three were the ones that we actually like worked out together or I worked them out that deal hey Joe you had mentioned uh about the Buddy Hill camp there at Harvard Palace um Trey uh and them uh did that camp to raise funds to do a uh a camp uh in in the Bahamas mm. um so I believe uh it's July boy- 21st right uh yeah no July tw- so there's one in Nassau which is elite 24 is July 22nd through 26th and the one in Freeport, which is kind of open to the public, which is where Buddy's from uh, in Freeport, is uh, I want to say July 30th through August 3rd. And so that that's kind of the one where the, the, the money's going to for less fortunate kids around the area he grew up because it's not the most financially stable place. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, they need it. And that's mm-hmm. me and Ken have talked about this. I've talked about this with everybody. And the idea is what basketball can be for those type of communities, mm-hmm. what basketball can be for, for, you know, uh, middle to lower income people, even in America, let alone in places like that, where, you know, it might be all you have. It's amazing how much it can bring. And, and the fact that buddy gets to do that is amazing. Like yeah, that, that, yeah. that's what the NBA, when they say bigger than basketball, that's amazing. You know, that, that type of thing to go help people who really need it. That's outstanding, man. I, I, how amazing that must be to come in and see buddy come down and actually get to, you know, get to shoot with them. Yeah. Know, it'd, yeah. Be, it'd be a lot of fun. It's neat. Have you done that camp very long or? Is- yeah, this will be the fourth year. Yeah. So really ever since he came in to the, to the NBA, we've, we've went there every year and done it. And honestly, every, every year we go there, I, I gain more respect for him just in the sense of what he does for that community. And then how we came out of that, like just seeing the, the environment he grew up in and, how his hard work and his persistence and his grit ha- has paid off to to what he and developed who he is now. So, how many how many kids usually attend that camp? A lot. Uh, it's funny. We'll start the day with about 150, 200 kids, and then by the end, it was probably about 400. They just pile in, man. It's uh, that island time. They just they just come whenever. What are the skill sets of the kids? Are they just uh, they're new, new, don't know, or they're just hanging out, or what's the no, there's a there's a mixture. I mean, there's a lot of them that are straight athletes. Uh, you can tell they're, they're, they're track guys uh, and that sort of thing. But there's a few hoopers. I mean, there's there's a few kids that can actually really play, and uh, we're really excited to do that that elite 24 camp with basically the best 24 kids in the Bahamas. So and, and get our hands on them and give them some uh, really good coaching and hopefully help them get scholarships. Hopefully exposure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's another thing, kind of expose them to new things as well. Well, and get them get them in front of people though that can see them, and get them that oh, scholarship. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure, Just have yeah. somebody that that can put it on film and mm-hmm. say, 
you know, and send that up to people because half of the problem in, in the developing world in poorer places is it's just nobody ever saw you yeah, play. Yeah. It's not that you can't play. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, how does the coach from, uh, how does the scout from Kentucky find out about, you know, the guy in uh, wherever, pick a place. I mean, somewhere that, that doesn't have the money, that yeah. doesn't have the scouting, that doesn't have the video and that type of thing. That's huge for those kids. Mm-hmm. You get 24 kids. If you're the best in that country or in that, on the island, mm-hmm. Clearly, you deserve a scholarship somewhere. Might yeah. be, you know, might be a lower school. Even might not be D one, but something. Mm-hmm. And to have their names out there, you guys, you know, that's that's what's, outstanding. What's so. the ages of the the kids that will attend that elite twenty four? High school, I think it's uh like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. So kind of sophomore, junior, senior. Have you worked with them very long? Uh, no, this this will be the first time we've ever done that elite twenty four camp. I think I'm, we may have seen a few of the few of the kids before. I'm not exactly sure on who's all coming, but it'll be the first time work with a lot of them. Will the goal with them be to take them to some of the NCAA showcases, take uh, them, bring them over to the States? What's what's the ultimate goal there? I think that getting them to the States is the ultimate goal, trying to get them over to the U.S. where, they, like you said, get more exposure, get seen by more coaches. Uh, but we just kind of kind of see how they develop and, and how good some of the players are and whether or not they can kind of be – uh, in the states and some of that can just be like whether they can stay out of trouble and so i mean that, that that's that's honestly a big part of it as well so all right we've kind of got off track we're running out of the 30 minutes here and i figure i'll ask three more questions and they're kind of going to be bang 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 the first one i want you to finish these sentences next year buddy healed will next year buddy Hill will shoot more free throws all right let's try another one <laughs> the most improved thing in buddy's game this year will be playing out of the pick and roll Playing out of the pick and roll. All right, yeah. And with the two additions, that should. Uh, oh can, wait, can, can we go back to the first one? I got, yeah. I got a better one. Oh, I got right. a better one. Uh, next better year, one. Buddy Healed will be a better two-way player. Be a better two. Oh, defense. We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna tear up the defensive yeah. end this year. Yeah. Now, my final question, and I, I, I I'm excited to hear your answer on this, and I have it for both of you actually. If you could work with any player in the NBA of all time, who would it be and why? Kobe Bryant. Uh, just his relentless mindset of always seeking knowledge, trying to become the best he uh, best he could be. And he was like that until he retired. He's still like that, still seeking knowledge, trying to trying to become the best, not only player he can be, but person. And uh, for me, that's the type of person I want to be around. And I feel like if I'm around him just even for a day, I could I could learn a ton just by what time he wakes up, like what does he eat. Like I want to know all of that. Yeah, what's your schedule? Yeah, what, what, what's your schedule? Like I, I want to be on the inside and uh, learn that because I want more of that. I, I want to become the best version of myself just like – he does for him. So, uh, Trey, uh, so I heard that uh, you wrote a book and you'd like to hopefully eventually have it published. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so there's a, there's actually two books I wrote. Uh, the one that I want to get published is called The Beautiful Journey. It's kind of like it sounds, man, just about uh, a young kid pursuing his dreams, going away from what's comfortable about the only life he ever known, only life he ever knew. Uh, to chase after a dream and uh, just about him learning things along the way uh, to help him pursue his dream, to help him achieve his dream, and also him learning that, you know, achievement isn't everything, but who you become along the way and the people you help uh, is really everything. Well, guys, that's pretty much it for the day. Uh, I mean, hey, we've we've gone down a whole bunch of different roads. I kind of took this on a, on a <laughs> rambling path to get where we were going, but bottom line is we're excited about the big men that are coming in. I think that's really going to open up more threes which was already you know a crazy year but um thank you for coming on where can the fans find you online online instagram is really big for me trace slate basketball and then uh 
You can kind of find out more about public speaking and all that at hooperrelentless.com. Uh, do camps, clinics, speak. Oh, you to have high an online. Teams. You have an online program. Oh right? yeah, that yeah. I have can... an online program. Uh, that one's relentlessfam.com. I got got a few different websites. Well, hey guys, that's going to be it for the day. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Trey Slate, thank you for coming in. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. It was it was a lot of fun. You know, I really hope that you you get Buddy another twenty. I, I really want to see him break three hundred this year. Oh, I, oh Just, man, I do too. That'd be. That'd be unreal. It's a pretty elite club. Yeah, not a, not, not, not not many are in. <laughs> not a, not a whole lot have done that. Mm. Kenji, thank you for coming down. Oh, thank you. Uh, I just appreciate coming down and uh, being with you, Joe. It's great. Right on. Well, boys and girls, hey, thank you for joining us here on the King's Court Podcast. This has been another episode, and I will see you all later. <laughs>